0: Welcome
1: to the bringing intimacy back show, where intimacy is real. How are you doing, Dr. Kelly?
2: Doing great. I have decided something to do with my hair.
1: I'm going oh. platinum. You're
2: going white platinum. I'm going platinum. What exactly does that mean? It's like kind of like Susan powder in the '80s, but anyway, it's nice and bright. And you know, I have a lot of gray hair. You might not know that, but I do. And I. I don't like it anymore. I want to be able to date at least 20 years younger than myself. Okay.
1: So in order to do that, I
2: have to uh, go platinum.
1: Okay. Yes. But you have such beautiful hair that's so easy to manage, which is really great, when, especially when you're busy.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. And I only have to do the front of it because I'm not looking
1: at the back. <laughs>
2: good. <laughs> yes.
1: Do? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But life has been busy. And which is, I'm so excited about today's topic, because today's topic is going to help us busy women. Oh,
2: yeah, it really is. In fact, I think uh,
1: we may save the best for last. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yes. So before I get into our main topic of today of self-care for extremely busy women, I wanted to let our audience out there know that um, if you're looking for a quick, easy gift out there for your loved ones. I have two opportunities. One is just um, a series of intimacy books that you can find on Amazon. Or if you're looking for an intimacy experience, check out our intimacy retreat on vacationcounseling.com. Yeah, which is in Costa Rica next. Yes, definitely. Which gives us a break. Yes. But how are we going to get through this holiday season with so much busyness? Yeah. Yes. As women.
2: Yeah, uh, one day at a time, and for some women, it's uh, one hour at a time. Yeah, I'm sure we could uh, we can all benefit from a lot um, new tips. Because yes. held on, take me away doesn't work, and if it does, it's 15 minutes. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes. So, I would like to introduce an expert that's going to help us get through this holiday season, and of course, the the rest of 2021, and hopefully, 2022. I'm um, Suzanne Falter. She is an expert on self-care for extremely busy women. In fact, she's been doing this for decades. She's a podcaster for the same topic. Um, she's also written a book on it. Um, after gets sadly, she lost her daughter, and after she lost her daughter in 2012, she had to learn how about self-care. And I think between all her works. And stuff. She learned the importance of self-care, especially when you're busy. So besides writing that, she's also written, I think, a book called Surrending to Joy and How Much Joy You Can Stand. And over the 15 years of work, she has featured over so many stuff, O Magazine, The New York Times, Elephant Journal, Much Joy Can You Stand. Wow, you've been extremely busy, Suzanne. I would love to welcome
3: you to the show. Thank you very much for the warm welcome, Dr. April. I appreciate it. Yes. Hi, Dr. Kelly. Hi,
1: nice to meet you.
3: <laughs> you too. Love.
1: So Suzanne, um, currently in your life right now, um, this show is called Bringing Intimacy Back. Mm-hmm. And One of the things that we always ask people is what does intimacy mean to you and how does that relate to self-care?
3: I'm glad you asked. It's such a, I mean I love the title of this show first of all because intimacy is what is missing in so many of our lives. We've replaced it with dependence on electronics and devices and social media and these virtual experiences, but for me intimacy means the energetic connection between people. So when I go to the gym and I get in the pool like I did this morning and I'm swimming, you know, a lane away from a complete stranger, but we're just kind of having this swimming experience. We're both sort of going back and forth the same direction. I feel connected to that person, even though I don't know them. That is more intimate to me than, you know, spilling my guts in in an environment where, where, Maybe we can connect with other people intellectually, but not energetically, if that makes sense. I also think a real big piece of this is intimacy with yourself. And, you know, after my daughter died, I spent a couple of years grieving and I really didn't do much. I wasn't working, I was living on my savings, I was in a rented room in a friend's house, and it was just Mm -hmm. extremely quiet. And I really turned within. I began to really get clear on what my needs were for the first time, possibly in my entire life. I was so devastated, but I was so aware of the opportunity that was in that crisis because I had been overworking. I had been completely overstimulated for decades. I had built this big career and I had just closed my business because I was completely burned out the relationship i'd been in had ended i had to leave the home we we had just moved into together and I, I had to start all over again so i was i was literally forced to tune into myself and my needs and begin to construct a life that actually had meaning because the work i had been doing prior to teal's death was all about marketing. It was about things that I was proficient in and could even make a good living from, but that I didn't care about. And I didn't feel at all intimate or connected with that work. So, you know, for me, intimacy covers many, many, many different realms of life.
2: I, you know what I like about what you just said? It just focuses so much on a presence, that you are present in your life. The way you described the early part of it was that decade after decade, it was this busyness, right? Yeah. And then the secondary and how you defined that, even in the pool, that it's like this process of slowing down and being present for each stroke, if you will, which would be each day. And finding something that you really enjoy. Am I getting grasping? Yeah. It?
3: I mean, here's the thing. My daughter wanted to be a healer. And she died from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest the day before she was going to start taking classes at San Francisco City College, quote unquote, to be a healer. She didn't really know what it meant, but she just had this gut sort of spiritual feeling that this is what she was supposed to do so she set out to find out what is this thing about being a healer she'd been a a blues singer in Austin Texas and and, you know had gone to the Berkeley College of Music I mean she was really good and she just put it all aside and said okay I'm going to be a healer now because that's what I feel I should do so you know her whole take on life was extreme presence and I really didn't know what that was about. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Dr. Kelly. I mean, Teal would just pack up her little backpack and go to the airport with some money in her pocket and just pick a place to go that sounded intriguing and just go have an adventure. And, and she never knew quite where she was going to land from day to day, but it always worked out. And she always felt intimate with her own life. And sure enough, when she died, she left behind a little red notebook with all kinds of channeled information in it that she had heard in her meditations. And the big message that was on page after page was just be, or be and you know. And I had no idea what that meant, but boy, did I start to figure it out after she died, because... What I'm describing in that two-year period of grief was the process of learning how to be without having to feel important because I was too busy, without having to feel super safe because I was super structured with another task every single minute. I was working with you know eight or 10 clients a day at one point, and it was just nuts, it was nuts. The money was great, but I had no life. And I certainly didn't have time and space to go within, I can't say enough about the value of just doing nothing. Just sitting in a window, watching the dust specks in the air or looking at the sky or sitting under a tree and feeling nature around you. I mean, that is intimacy.
1: Yes, and Suzanne, as you're saying that, which I believe truly that is what you said, it's intimacy and it's, but I know there's women out there, especially mothers who are thinking, how can I just sit and do nothing?
4: Ah, isn't it you know great? Yeah, it great? that's.
1: I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I must be. I should be entertaining child A, cooking for child or husband yeah, B or whatever. Right.
3: Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the book about self care I wrote, the extremely busy woman's guide to self care, I published a couple of years ago, has in it a whole lot of ideas about how to unplug from those situations which are guilt-induced. I mean, can you ask for help? Can you break the status quo and say to your partner, hey, I need help. Could you please cook dinner and do the dishes or whatever three times a week? I can't do all of this. That's the first thing I had to learn. It's safe to ask for help. And not only is it safe, it's necessary. We think we don't get to have any boundaries. We think we have to do it all. It's an illusion. The fact that we are not alone must be recognized. And I'm speaking to you, single moms, because you have friends, you have a network, you have other single moms possibly who would do a trade. You know, there, there have to be ways where we can support each other to create this much needed time alone. I I remember one of the shows I did was um, on my podcast was about the importance of creating alone time and that alone time. I cannot overestimate the importance because when you're alone, you can finally hear yourself think you may really not like your relationship. You may need to go to a counselor or make some big changes. You may really feel overworked in your job. You know, In my Facebook group, there was a woman, I asked the question, what are you tolerating? What are you tolerating? And one of the women in the group said, well, I was tolerating my job, which was way too many hours. So I tried to quit. I went to my boss. I said, I quit. Boss said, what can I do to make you stay? And we renegotiated a package where she gets the same money for half the hours and she gets to take care of herself. It's like, if we don't ask, we don't know.
2: Right. Absolutely. So Why is many it so assumptions. hard for women to ask? You know how few women actually negotiate related right. to their job and their pay and the time? So I'm talking to all the women, both single and married. That's right. Employed and unemployed. What what do you negotiate? I love what you talked about earlier about uh, guilt induced actions. Yeah. You asked, uh, you focus on that. Could you drill down a little bit more on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, the assumption built in by the culture here in America, at least, and perhaps North America at large, is, you know, we are really not allowed to ask for what we want. We kind of inherited this from our moms, and it may be going away a little bit gradually with each generation, but I mean, radical help needs to be made here, because husbands used to only help out around the home 40% of the time. That was documented in the 90s. Now it's up to 47%. Anyone well, we oh, yippee. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: well, Come on, husbands, get to, with a program here. Yes. You might have to help with those
1: kids that you procreated. Amen. Yeah. And when you were saying about guilt, I was just thinking I was working with a woman and she was like, she can't even go to the bathroom by herself. Her kids are there. Yeah. And I was like, I used to always tell my daughter, and that's a single mom, to go spend time alone. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I didn't believe I had to entertain her. And that that's is so right. important.
3: That's yes. right. And if you don't learn this as a mother, if somebody, if you're not doing it and somebody teaches you this, you can do it. But we are just not wired to assume that we can take time for ourselves. You know, I used to love the movie, Mary Poppins. I put my kids in front of it. It's three hours long. It's just, and and you know something? Those kids, they love that. So, hey, old Disney classic, you know, just stream it. They'll love it. You get some serious downtime there. Go lie yes. on the couch and read a great, you know, trash novel. Like, probably don't leave the house, but, you know, depending on the age of your kids. But, but I mean, you can get a lot done with Mary Poppins on.
1: Yes. I would used to always tell her to write every time. Yeah. Oh, Why do I have great. to I go, go journal it out? And oh, yeah, that's and actually she became a writer. <laughs> you know, well, there
3: you go. Perfect, Dr. April. I mean, you know, yes. the fact is, we just don't even think about the value of downtime. We don't think yes. that we need to tune into our needs. We do. And one of the really important lessons I learned during that two-year period of grief where I was discovering my self-care and returning to intimacy with myself was to ask myself the question periodically throughout the day, what do you need right now? And a very simple question, but the answer surprised me. Sometimes I needed to stretch. Sometimes I needed to cry. Sometimes I needed to just go get in the car and go buy an ice cream or do something fun, you know? Sometimes I needed to call someone and have some reassurance. You can get your needs met, but you got to be willing to get real with what they are.
1: Since so many people have lost people because of COVID and a variety of things Mm -hmm. these past few years. Yeah. And in the sense of self-care, many people think they're supposed to get over it so quickly. Mm -hmm. How important is self-care and getting real?
3: Okay. When you've lost when you are going through a loss, you need to understand that a critical piece of your brain, which is the around the hippocampus where your executive function is and where your decision-making ability is and your ability to like just go out and do things, that's been disabled. And the more severe and sudden the loss, the more severely disabled. And you will not be able to push yourself to do all those things that you could do before the loss. And if you don't get real about it, you suppress the grief and it becomes worse. May not be in this moment, but it's gonna gonna rear up on you eventually. And that's where, you know, I mean, some people believe that's the source of some long-term illnesses or chronic pain. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to let the grief move through you. And as you let the grief move through you, not only are you doing something which is radical good self-care, but you're also allowing the flow of life to move through you so you can get to the transformation that is inherent in the loss. Because every loss is a catalyst for change. And if we don't know that, understand it, work with it, we miss a golden opportunity. Yeah, wow. Wow. I have a question from an
1: audience member. Mm
2: -hmm. They're
1: saying, you know, we're in the holiday season. It's supposed to be giving. Mm -hmm. And and they're a Christian. Yes. If they take self-care, isn't that
3: being selfish? Oh, I love it. Okay. Consider something. something. (laughs) Consider something. Consider the idea that when you give to yourself and you're compassionate towards yourself and you make space for yourself, you can show up in a more healthy, grounded, and present way to your desire to give to your community, your family, your elders, whatever. Because when you are feeling good about it, it's a whole different energy that comes with that gift or that generous donation of your time than if you are feeling resentful, stressed out, and overworked. Also, I really wanna speak at this moment about overproduction. We have a problem as women that we think are exceptional isn't really good enough. So a lot of us stay late at work. We, you know, agree to make the gingerbread house from scratch for the kindergarten (laughs) party. You know, we, we have to make extremely fancy little organic chicken and veggie croquettes because we think our child will only eat fun food. No. No, 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 no. Because when we take a step back and we allow adequate to be good enough, especially in these extremely busy moments in life, like when you're raising small children, well, that that works out just fine. We're the ones putting the extra pressure on ourselves. To our um, listener who just sent in that very good question, I would invite you to consider where's the overproduction in your life? So if you feel like you're, you can't stop to give to yourself or that it's selfish, just consider the idea that you could rebalance this picture. I, I have a question
2: from an audience member. Sure. They want to know, um, this is Amy from Pennsylvania. She wants to know what are common guilt, common ways that women feel guilt?
3: Okay. So one of the one of the big ones is I must cook and clean and do everything for my family or, you know, it isn't good enough. It doesn't count. And the idea that you take some time for yourself away from that can make women feel guilty. Another another uh, place where I've seen it show up is you show up to someone's house and you feel like you have to bring gifts. You have to come bearing gifts. You have to have the casserole or the the bottles of wine or the cute little tchotchke (laughs) I saw that would be so cool in your house. What if you were the gift? What if you were the gift? Then you don't have to put the energy into making the casserole or, you know, uh, okay. I mean, look, sometimes buying a gift for a friend is a beautiful thing. just notice if you feel it has to happen every single time then maybe you're overplaying that hand maybe you're in overproduction rather than a balanced approach to being present with your friends
2: yeah and it reminds me of this little kid that came to school at my elementary school and he would give away all of his toys his pencils and things and it just made me think that this poor little guy named Danny didn't know that he was the gift himself that we did want to be his friend and not for his mechanical pencils.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, even as little children, we can get that insecurity going. I really relate to that. You know, I was the kid who was picked on and never felt safe at school, et cetera. And And I think I can remember one year for Christmas and the little you know Christmas party in the class in sixth grade, I got the biggest bully in the class as my secret Santa. Oh Lord, yeah. And I had to give her a gift, and I was terrified of her. So it's like, okay, just tell me what you want, I'll give it to you. whatever. It's like I was being held up, you know. I mean, I'm like, I'll give you anything. <laughs> and, and you know, needless to say, she took full advantage of that. But I mean, that's a perfect example of how we can't believe that we are good enough as we are.
1: Yes, and Suzanne, you have definitely been a gift to us. And oh, yes, and yes, and I've learned something I really didn't ever thought of myself is when you go to someone's, especially on these holiday things, and sometimes your presence is just a gift there instead mm-hmm. of trying to figure out everything. So Susanna, if other people want to find out more about you, Tell us where we can find you.
3: Sure. I'm at um, the Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women podcast. Uh, And you can also find my book, The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care, on my website at suzannefalter.com. S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-F-A-L-T-E-R.com. And I also have this great big Facebook group, 55,000 women all gathered together talking self-care. It's Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women on Facebook. So drop into any of those spots and we will keep the conversation going. And what a pleasure to talk intimacy with you, Dr. Kelly and Dr. April, thank you. Thank you. Right. Hey,
2: you're, you're great at sound bites. I can see, I mean, seriously. If we were like just meeting sound Boy, bites from her, we'd have like 10 of them right now. Oh,
4: <laughs> yes, right. exactly.
2: So keep being and knowing. And one of my favorite uh, Proverbs is, I don't know if it's a proverb, but it says, be still and know that I am God. Wow. And that's that's she, like
3: be and you know. Yeah. Like so, deals, uh, right. so she wrote channel. me
2: and know, and I just wanted to give that to you as a gift because that came to my mind, that verse, and I actually have it on a plaque in my bathroom and one in my living room. And that it says, says
3: it all, boy. It that all. really says it all. That is awesome. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yes. I'm that group.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, okay?
3: Great yes. pleasure. Enjoy and thank you.
1: Thank you. And all right, we're gonna take a break and we'll be back in a few moments.
0: Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida.
2: Renew your connection and your love in beautiful Costa Rica. February 27th through March 3rd, 2022. We'll make sure it happens. Vacation Counseling Intimate Couples Retreat. Your next vacation.
1: Enroll now at vacationcounseling.com. Welcome back to the Bring It Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Yeah, that was wonderful what she just said stated. Yeah, that was quite incredible.
2: I mean, yes. uh, some of the things like regarding um, uh, specifically guilt-induced actions, uh, being present, knowing you are the present. I mean, it was really pretty fantastic. Yes, I definitely. Felt like, uh, I felt like I was the choir and the preacher for that word for that one. You know, how, <laughs> I mean, Meaning, I felt like okay, everybody
1: else gets to listen, but this was for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and it's so hard. I think, especially in the holiday season. Yeah, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, because you're always thinking, what do I need to bring? So you stop by the store, and you're trying to like figure out, you know, do I get a bottle of wine? Do I get this? Do I get that? What do I need? Yeah,
2: and and taking yourself. Uh, and being present being fully present somewhere is fantastic and I that's what I tell some people I'm like you know what if you're if you're not going to be fully present where you go then don't go because it's really not a gift you know right right definitely yes Yes. um, okay
1: Yes. Yeah, so on the show now, um, we're doing something different today. We have another wonderful guest. Her name is Dr. Debbie um, Silber, and she's the founder of Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, which is a holistic, she is a holistic psychologist, um, a mindsetter, a personal development expert. So welcome, Dr. Debbie,
4: onto the show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes, yes. What's a mindsetter? I'm so curious. I've been I don't to- know either. I don't I I, <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> what it says. I'm am uh, the founder and CEO of the PBT Institute, Post Betrayal Transformation Institute. So health mindset, personal development, psychology, spirituality. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. my 30th year in business.
2: Post betrayal. My goodness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is this is deep.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I know a
2: lot of people who have been betrayed. And that is one of the deepest pains in their
4: life. It sure is. It's it's one of the most painful of the human experiences, because think about it, this was the person, these were the people uh, that you trusted the most. So when the person you trust the most proves untrustworthy, who do you trust? When the one you run to, when other people are causing harm, are the ones causing the harm, where do you go? Uh, the good news is you can heal from all of it. And uh, I did the study and I have the proof.
1: Wow. Wow. Yes. One of the things that we ask our, our, our guests is how do they define intimacy mm-hmm. and how does that deal with betrayal and being betrayed when you have been intimate with someone and all of a sudden now they
4: betray you? Yeah, it's devastating. I mean, you were vulnerable, you were open, you you gave your heart, your love, your time, your trust, and um, you know, without your awareness or consent, when somebody else just changes the rules. There were these spoken and unspoken rules in a relationship, and it's when those rules are broken, it's devastating and it destroys that intimacy. Uh, can it be repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? Yes. It's a lot of work, but it can be.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing that I noticed even in my own personal experience of dealing with post betrayal is sometimes you
4: lose that confidence of your own self. You know, there was uh, the study that I did led to three discoveries and mm-hmm. um, that was actually one of them. One of them was that betrayal is a very different different type of trauma than death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster. You know, of course you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss with with those types of traumas, betrayal too. But because betrayal feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self is shattered and has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust. Those are all shattered and they have to be rebuilt. So um, I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal.
2: Right? Because you you had said uh, you do not believe it can be repaired, but it can
4: be rebuilt, which means it
2: implies that you need a new foundation.
4: Absolutely, you know I, I I look at trust like a brick wall. You know, think about it, and it's foundational. Every opportunity, you know, the, the only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick, right? And it could take a really long time. And now think about it: the way it works with trust is every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy. That's one brick in that brick wall. So that brick wall can take a long time to be built. And then in one earth-shattering moment or series of moments, the entire thing can come tumbling down. Well, you know, the person who's Trust has been shattered. You can look at the rubble and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Totally fine. They can walk away. However, if they decide that they're willing, thats their they, that would be their job. The person who shattered the trust has to be a really good bricklayer. And it goes back the same way it went the first time. Brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they have to show that they're trustworthy. That's one brick in that brick wall.
2: Does yeah. that if that you you wrote the
4: book the is it the unshakable that was the number 1 book yeah and then i i wrote um trust again woman. actually this was uh the, one of the other discoveries was that while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime. And so many of us do. If we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five proven predictable stages. That's what trust again is for that came out last year. But what I found was, and I'm happy to go through the stages if that serves most people get stuck in stage three. So my newest book from hardened to healed is just for those stuck in stage three, because is it's so to do With to
1: bitterness. It's certainly found there for sure. Okay. So Debbie, you got me curious. What are the five
4: stages real quick? And then tell me more specifically about stage three. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'll do it as quickly as I can. It's what my coaches are all certified in within the PBT Institute. It's what, you know, it's what's in trust. Again, I'm going to give you a distilled version right here. So stage one is like before it happens, it's a setup stage. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, uh, What I found was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing and not really prioritizing the emotional and the spiritual, the feeling and being right so if you can imagine two legs of a table right easy for that table to topple over that's us. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. This is shock. D-Day, Discovery Day. You're blindsided, Mm -hmm. like the person takes the mask off. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Wow. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. Don't go there. This is how life works. Trust this person. And in one moment, it's all shattered. The bottom's bottomed out on you and a new bottom hasn't been formed. So it's terrifying. But think about it, right? If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would do anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three
3: survival Mm.
4: instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me get out of my way, how do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Once you've figured out how to survive because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, we're like, And we think it's good and because we have no idea there's a stage four and stage five transformation doesn't even begin until stage four because we don't even know that there's a stage four and five we start planting roots here we're not supposed to but we don't know that and four things happen the first thing is we start getting all those small self-benefits you get to be right you get someone to blame you get a target for your anger You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. Oh my gosh,
2: that's where they stay, the victims.
4: Uh, Oh, and you'll see why for sure. I see why stage three is so popular. Keep going, doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So so then because you're getting all these benefits, right? You don't know there's anywhere else to go. You plant deep roots. And now the next thing that happens is because you're there longer than you should be, you start thinking, well, maybe I deserved it. Maybe I'm not all that great. Maybe this, maybe that. Mm. You plant deeper roots. Mm. And now... Because this is the energy you have. These are the thoughts you think. Like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. It gets you're betraying yourself. You're betraying exactly. yourself. Okay. Yep, yep. It gets worse, but I'm going to get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anywhere else to go. You don't know there's a stage four, stage five. Right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, anything to numb, avoid and distract yourself from what's so painful to feel or face. So think about it. You do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And here's that bitterness, right? And here's where I can see someone 20 years out and say, that drinking you're doing, or that emotional eating, or that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. Say it happened 20 years ago. But do you see? All right. they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes plenty of sense. Yeah. Yes. yes. And yes. that's why it is by far the stage we find ourselves in and get stuck in. And that's why from Hard to healed, I'm coming for you in stage three, because you've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to heal. Do you want me to finish with the- Stage oh, three. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I don't want to be stuck in stage
1: three, please. You don't want to be stuck there. And that's
4: where most people stay. OK, if you're willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve, mourn the loss, a bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge I can't undo my experience, but I control what I do with it. And when you've made that decision, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you just stop the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. The other thing is, think about it. If you, I, I always use this example of if you were to move, if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you wanna be in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, Right here is where you don't take them with you. You've just outgrown them. People say to me all the time, what the heck, I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and if they don't rise with you, they don't come. Very common to lose friends in this, uh, friendships change in this stage. Anyway, when you've made this mentally home, you're good with it. You move into the fifth most beautiful stage and this is healing, rebirth and a new worldview. The body starts to heal self-love self-care eating well exercise you didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier now you do your mind is healing you're making new rules you're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled and you have a new world view based on what you see so clearly now and the four legs of the table in the beginning was all about the physical and the mental by this point we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too those are the five stages.
2: Wow, that's so, talk about a synthesized uh, presentation on that. And I can imagine and understand why the emotions and the the emotional and spiritual are the hardest two legs, because they scare people, emotions scare people, and spiritual things can scare people, because they're to imply that uh, there's certain ways to emote, and there's certain ways to have a relationship, a spiritual relationship. So we can stay in those other ones. Those are like the scientific ones, you know, the biological things that we can control and can't control our emotions. Exactly. Uh, sometimes. I liked how you you had said during the one, it was like it, we get to choose how we react. So there there's an action and we get to react. Um, Yes,
4: that's stage four. Stage three is very action oriented where it's like, but it's all action oriented. And how will I survive this? And how do I make sense out of it? Stage four is how do I heal from it? It's a very different, still action oriented, but, but more in the sense of how can we heal versus how do we get revenge? Or how do we just get back at that person? Or how do we, how do we just survive our experience? Very different actions. Mm
2: -hmm. Can we, um, so we have the four steps to rebuilding the oh wait, the unshakable woman one. I want to talk about that. I know you're you're like the there were, Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I was um, gonna say there's a third discovery. I'm happy to share what that was too, because I have a feeling your audience would really get a lot out of it. Because that's
2: rebuilding the body, mind, and life. And some people they don't even know where to begin. So um I think they're both very beneficial. Both yeah. of these seem specifically for our target audience that if you dug a little bit into
4: that that would help them as well but
2: it's up to you where where you think they would dovetail and
4: yeah it's 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 all it's all critical so i can i can go through all of it yeah so the third discovery was and and when you're when you're making sense and meaning out of your experience, you're going to be faced with these things too. The third discovery was there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post betrayal syndrome. We've had forty five thousand people or so take our post betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. Um, design that assessment. Yeah. And it was based on what I was seeing in the study. Um, and, and, you know, I guess I should really let you, I, usually I start with my story. We didn't even, we just kind of dove right in. Yeah, I did We're, we're kind of like that, but
2: tell us, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about you, Dr. Debbie and your
4: story. Sure. And then we can get back to that. Uh, well, it, like I said, it's my 30th year in business health mindset, personal development. And then I had, uh, a really painful, uh, betrayal from my family and, uh, so thought I did the work to heal. And then a few years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. So I got him out of the house and I, I looked at the two experiences and I thought, well, what's similar to these two? I mean, I'm the common denominator, but I realized I never took my needs seriously. I was always last on my list. And I was like, no, no, no. Something drastic has to happen and dramatic has to change. So here it was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. I was 50. Wow. I'm like, we're going back for a PhD. And it was, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to move through it. But I, I just knew I had to like kind of learn my way through this. And it was in uh, transpersonal psychology, psychology of transformation and human potential. Because yeah. I was changing so much, I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? what helps us heal, and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my work, my family, my life.
1: Yeah, well, that's amazing. amazing. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that personal story, because for a lot of us, including myself, we've gone through that Mm -hmm. and looking for ways to
4: heal or to... Like you say, transform. Well, what's I mean, here's the thing, you've been through the worst of it already. You really owe it to yourself. And it's right. pr- the the beauty of, of what the what the study showed and what the discoveries really showed us was healing's predictable. It's predictable. And if we just are willing, willingness is one of the biggest words here, willing to uh, move through the stages, we will predictably move through our experience. And we come in uh, with symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, and I'm happy to share what those are. And when we f- move through the five stages, we, we enter this place and this state of post-betrayal transformation. There's a version of you that exists in this place that is so strong, so healthy, so healed, so confident. And he or she would blow your mind. Uh, But we can't get there when we're stuck in any of the other stages.
2: You know, it reminds me of that verse in scripture. It says, behold, it says, "Um, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And that's that last stage. And so people that are listening, those of you that are listening, uh, please push through those, that
4: third stage,
2: because like Dr. Is it Silver? Silver. Dr.
4: Debbie, you could just, Debbie's fine. Debbie,
2: like Dr. Debbie said, um, your future is so much brighter than you could ever think or imagine in the middle of your betrayal. Now look, look at Dr. Debbie, um, Using that pain as a springboard, and I'm sure that that was not an easy. This this did not happen overnight, and nor does a PhD.
4: You know, I, I really I've been through death of a loved one. I've been through disease. I was in the ICU for eleven days. Nothing got me like this. Nothing. But I, I remember moving through the the program and the study, and I and I just I had this thought that if I can heal, I'm taking everybody with me. Right. I mean, and that doctor, was just, that was it.
1: And Dr. Debbie. Um, since you mentioned, what are the symptoms? So, because people are out there listening and they're like, I don't know,
4: maybe, maybe, yeah. Can yeah. What are the symptoms? Yeah, sure. So now imagine this is out of figure 45,000 people. We have men, women, just about every Uh, country is represented. So I'm going to read just every, every couple of months I pull the stats just to see where people land. And here we go. So this is out of all those people, 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. I mean, that's just exhausting. 94% deal with painful triggers. Here are the most common physical symptoms. Ready? 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. They wake up, they're exhausted. Those are your adrenals that have tanked. 47% have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. And that's anything. Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. 45%. Uh, the most common mental symptoms. Ready? 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% are unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% are unable to concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted and you're supposed to work and raise your kids. You know, that's not even the emotional issues, ready? Emotionally, 88% experience profound deep sadness. 83% are very angry. It is really common to bounce back and forth between the Mm -hmm. two. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book Trust again. Ready? 84% have an inability to trust. 67% Prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how.
2: You know, it's interesting because it's if it's post betrayal syndrome, which of course is not in the DSM, but anxiety disorder is and depressive disorders are, right. and so many of the symptoms are similar to that. Some people may actually have post-betrayal syndrome, and they may think they may have been diagnosed with something else, similar to PTSD, and ADHD have similar symptomology. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So
4: some people are, some children actually have PTSD, and they're being treated for ADHD. 100%. And here's the thing, and this is why, you know, with our, we certify coaches and and, uh, doctors and therapists, and because they could be the most wonderful counselors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, but if they're not highly skilled in the five stages, they're missing. They're, you know, they're hacking away at the leaves and not getting to the root because when like, for example, it could be the most amazing gut doctor. Someone sees them for a gut issue, but 45% of everybody betrayed has a, has a gut issue. So if that gut doctor now knows about the five stages, they can Mm. think of a deeper transformation. They can take their patient through or their client through. So, you know, it's, it's a game changer when they understand about the five stages.
1: Right. And you mentioned such Something so important that many people don't realize that when personal things happen to them, they really need to even share it with their medical doctors, their nurses, because it all is connected. Mm
3: -hmm. Yes.
1: And so, Dr. Debbie, it's people are listening and they're hearing all those symptoms and they're like, they want hope. Mm -hmm. They want to change.
3: Yeah.
4: How can they reach you, Dr. Debbie? you know that i would recommend they should take the the healed or hardened quiz they'll know exactly what stage they're in and you they can just find that at healedorhardenedquiz.com okay awesome and how can they reach you or find your books yeah they can and you know for uh, They could just go to, I'm thinking there are so many books with the bonuses. If they want trust again, that's, that'll take them through the five stages. The uh, best way to do that is go through this link because then they get bonuses too. I mean, of course you can get it at Amazon, but get it through this link and you get bonuses too. And it's the PBT as in post betrayal transformation, the PBT institute.com forward slash trust again.
1: Okay. And from my understanding, from what you just said previously, Um, There's a
4: lot of therapists that have been trained. We have, well, we have our certification program and, um, and we train coaches and healers, doctors, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, therapists, and, um, and some work within the Institute and some, you know, just work on their own, but yeah, the, the more therapists understand and are trained in the five stages, uh, the better. We have a lot of people coming in with therapy trauma. And it's because if that therapist isn't highly skilled in betrayal, it could do way more harm than good. We see that all the time. Oh yeah. Wow. That's a whole nother topic. Therapy trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we see it a lot because someone let's say, you know, we see this example all the time. I'll just give a generic example. Let's say there's a husband and wife. The husband has an affair. He's a narcissist. She's able to drag him to counseling. That counselor is not highly skilled in betrayal the narcissist is very charming so then the counselor looks at the betrayed person saying well you know if you just communicate more it, it, it's it's things um, like that it's devastating so yes. it it takes it takes a, a you know understanding what betrayal does yeah it sure does yep Yeah, yes. be, like doing the
2: just seeing if i've been betrayed in my life
4: and, <laughs> and here's the thing, it doesn't even have to be those big, profound, earth-shattering betrayals. It could be like a oh, thousand cuts kind, you know. And yeah, 80, cuts. yeah, or it could be self-betrayal. That's that's big, too. And, and so many of us, even these days, are feeling betrayed by, you know, so many things going on in our lives. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but there's a way to heal from all of it. Yes, and definitely.
2: And if you want to take the betrayal to another level also, it could be spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. people have been betrayed by people in leadership, spiritual leadership, Absolutely. And so so then you would have like, let's say, you know, whatever, we don't have to go there. But the point is, is that there is a lot of, um, I don't know, like grit, there's a lot of grit. And this is research based. This is not just like some idea, somebody that just like, you know, sitting in a, sitting in their room, writing a book. This is somebody who has actually researched this for years and has personally experienced it. You went outside of that, Dr. Debbie, what you did was, then you did more research to get this, you know, to, I don't know how big your sample size was, but knowing you in this brief time, I bet it was pretty big and that you're still like uh, modifying it and finding those things that will work to help people. I'm, I can tell that you're healthy and it's, it's beautiful to see. I wouldn't want to have seen you on that sad day,
4: you know. It was bad. It, it was really bad, but you know what, there's something, uh, there's something really interesting that happens when uh, you're, you're sort of broken open, you know, where it's, that's when the light shines through, and you're, these, I see it so often, we have the, the people that, that we move through the Institute, and it was without that, complete and utter death and destruction of the old, they never would have been able to birth the new. And and whether that's just the new version of them or, you know, or something else. And, and what I've also learned is rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you can have the opportunity sometimes to create something brand spanking new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago, as to completely transform people, we married each other again. Wow. Wow. That's Such a beautiful story. Dress and our four kids at our <laughs> bridal party, you know? so Wow.
2: Now talk about a miracle.
4: You yes. Know, this
2: is beautiful. And, and for those women that are listening that are like, the last thing I would ever do is remarry that person. Remember, this was rebuilt. This wasn't just
4: like didn't happen overnight and your children were the bridal party. Yeah, my children weren't. Now here's the thing though, too, it, it, because betrayal will show you who someone truly is or wake them up to who they temporarily became. Now, if they're not woken up to who they were and that's who they continue to be, you've got to be full blown crazy to take that on again. I mean, and that's what people do. And they who wonder woke what him up to why who he
2: had temporarily
4: became, that's which it. was a
2: selfish Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And and it was. the And here's the thing, too. You know, maybe he woke up to the level that he did because he was actually the one who told our kids. And if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what you what you just lost, it's losing everyone you love. And he did. And he earned it back. Oh, fantastic.
2: I love stories like this. You Mm know, uh, there's a statistic. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty high that people will divorce and remarry. And some mm. people even divorce and twice. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, uh, that puts the spin on breakup and makeup sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Debbie, thank you so much. Really. Yes,
1: it, you have been me. actually a living example of the books and everything that you talk about, which is wonderful um, for everyone who's out there. And we're we'll definitely be looking at your information and stuff. And so I think it's been really extremely helpful and thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much thanks for the opportunity yes yes it's been a pleasure and for our upcoming shows um, on December 9th we have Jerry with eye contact voices and hugs and on December 16th we have intimacy through retreats Dr. Kelly it's been a pleasure having you on as a co-host and thank you so much for this year Thank you. It was a
2: terrific year. I learned so much. And I hope you and Coach K have a fantastic time. I'll be a little bit jealous of her, you know, because she's, uh, but she is, she is fantastic. And those of you that um, have uh, reached out to me and said that you were going to miss me, I'll miss you as well. And I just want to say, Dr. April, you're fantastic. And you truly are authentic. And that's what I have loved the most about being your co-host. You are ah you are the real thing. Okay. <laughs> you helped bring intimacy back in my life in a, in a way, because you asked me some questions over a year ago about whether or not I would be willing to be vulnerable. And also, um, you had told me that, you know, you felt that there was so much more for me than what I was living at the time. And as a result, I made a lot of changes in my life and it feels good to be content and not just content, but happy. So thank
1: you for being a part of my journey. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Kelly, for being a part of my journey this year. It's been a tough year personally, but you have pushed me. You have inspired me. You have used um, a lot of words of wisdom. Well, thank you. You have been a guide. We are going to stay in touch. Yes, definitely. And so I appreciate you and I wish you much success. And for our listeners out there, Dr. Kelly, as I also mentioned, Coach Kate will be joining us next time. And I'll introduce her as the new co-host. And thank you, Dr. Kelly. And you're welcome anytime on the show. And
2: If people are listening and they need a motivational speaker, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'll have my, uh, we'll only see 10 clients uh, a week because I don't want to work too hard. And I love motivational speaking. So I am going to be spring- springboarding back into that. So yes,
1: and thank God and people out there that are listening. She has motivated me and she has motivated a lot of us. And the great thing about Dr. Kelly is she's authentic, real, and she has a great sense of humor. And she's when you guys, she comes in a small little packet, but boy, is she powerful. So (laughs) thanks for being the thunder in my life and just for being so powerful. Thank you. Hey, and have a good rest of your day and I'll talk to you in in a while, all right? All right, then. This has been the Bringing Intimacy Back Show where intimacy is real. Thank you.